0: Hello, and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. And your first thought when you saw me get back up was, oh, that guy again. It's because I've been on holiday, and they thought they'd make me do everything. That's why. But we were away for a week, and it's such a privilege to be back I can't tell you, I absolutely love what I do. It's not a lie, my wife is here. I love what I do, and I love every minute of privilege that I get to do it. And um, this morning... We are not continuing our series, which is a bit strange for us. We've always preached in series. We're doing, we have a one-off preach. We have, I want to just say next Sunday, morning and evening, Dylan and Tess Yarnock will only, Dylan will be preaching here, both services in the morning and in the evening, something different in the evening. So we don't often call people to come to church and we often don't call them to come to a double service, but I would like you to consider they are amazing communicators of the gospel. And I believe God's going to do something as he did with us in the faith conference with our mates from Doha earlier in the year. He's going to do something with us next weekend. It's not just a moment to gather. It's also, please don't take the name Be That Girl lightly. Behind the thought of Be That Girl is, a, is an idea that actually, I don't know about you, but everyone walks down the street and you go home, you see people and say, I'd love their confidence. I'd love their courage. I'd love to walk in the decisions that they've made. Well, actually, I believe in God. We can step up into all those things and what God does with us. And so we want to invest in our ladies because we believe there are such jewels and gems with him. This is not a young person's conference. Can I say that? It's not a young person's. I know many of the faces because actually that's who we could get for the photo shoot. No, I'm joking. It's, but we believe it's God wants to do many things in many age groups. This is not a young person's moment. Please don't think that. Please come along. We'd love to have you with us. So today is not a series. I have a simple encouragement for you. But as I jump into that, I do have my sister here. And um, like I said this morning, I feel like I need to f- say it again because it's that important. There was a scarring moment in my childhood. Anyone have those? Anyone? Inflicted by older sisters? Any of those? Okay, good. I'm in good company. There was this moment as like a seven, eight-year-old child where your sister comes and says, well, I'm doing my matric finals, and I'm doing art. It's great for you. And your mother and your sister, in your naivety, you are convinced to be their muse for their art. But not just the muse. A naked portrait. But I'm seven. What do I know? I think, obviously in the age, I mean, this was fortunately before the internet. You think, no one's going to see it. You know, it's going to be in a room. Maybe your art teacher will see it. You get a mark. Then your sister becomes like a Lani artist or something. And you're invited to her exhibition. And you're slightly older now more aware of stuff. And you walk into the exhibition only to be greeted by yourself in the nude. On a big frame, not a little frame. I forgive you, again. Don't bring your excuses. No. Yeah, it was, yeah, okay, it was a long time ago, I agree, but stuff sticks. And... um but this is my sister. She, she's an amazing, um, amazing, amazing lady. She's a pastor in a church in Rochester that we partner with and have been in there. I've had the privilege of learning. And actually, the best front preacher is going to preach tonight. She's going to be preaching at the evening service tonight. So come and join us if you want to. And um, I mean, I wouldn't let her organize your travel trips for you. You know, those family reunions need something for the movie script. It has to have it. I won. I got an SMS. My sister's coming from America. We're stoked. The whole family's gathering. You know, you get the, on the family group. Anyone have friends in Doha? Now, Doha is in Qatar, in the Middle East. She's missed her flight. Fortunately, I have friends in Doha. Who thought? She ended up spending four days in Doha just thinking about missing her flight. All good. Won't miss another one because I have worked that angle. But um, I want to speak this morning about, and it's called Hometown Hero. I want to stir us to see Jesus passionately again. I've got it's like a one shot. I normally preach in series and we work series, but I want to. I want to spur you. I want to call you. You know that spur each other on. That's what the Bible says. Spur each other on. A spur is on the back of a cowboy boot, and he kicks the horse to go faster. Sometimes, we the Word is calling us to spur each other on to see Jesus just to see him, to be captivated by him again. As I read of Jesus, I've been reading of him for years and years, and I'm still caught up in moments overwhelmed by his glory and his wonder. But I want to tell you about my last week a little bit as I preface that. I went home for a 50th anniversary and a family reunion, first time together as a family in 10 years, a close family. But many years ago, things happened and we were split all over the world. I was excited about it, but not exi- as excited as one of my sisters, who is you know the deep. It's like deep, and things are deep, and she wears it. And, she, and I've got three sisters. I'll tell you more about them. But there was this moment we were gathering for. It's a 50-year anniversary. Who's been to a 50-year anniversary? That's amazing. Not many. My first one was my parents. And I think I only really realized on the morning as I sat down to write them a letter, because it had been busy and kids and a whole bunch of things and people stuck in Doha, um, it's, it's, I got to sit down and consider 50 years. I got to sit down and consider my parents who I'm probably not going to get a trust fund from. That's the truth. I'm not joking about the truth. But I've inherited so much already. I got to consider the laughter in our home. I got to consider the fact that I didn't have to deal with a bunch of the stuff a whole lot of my friends have had to deal with, of absent fathers, of distant fathers, of non-existent fathers or parents or mothers. I haven't had to deal with that stuff. I got to sit back and go, wow, this isn't just normal. See, to me, it's normal. Joy and Abe, Finn those are my parents. It's normal. Uh, it's not uncommon. It's not something that's uncommon for me. It's in my life. It's become familiar. And even the 50th anniversary, everyone's like, let's do this big thing. I'm like, yo, I'll do anything. But I wasn't really owning it, if I'm being honest. Until I sat down and considered the spectacular nature of 50 years of joyous marriage. Not always highs, a number of big lows, but joy, life, faith, courage, and I thought, this is not normal. This is a sign in wonder. This is spectacular. Yeah. And then at the 50 year anniversary, my sisters began to gather. Obviously, the oldest goes first. She is a master degree in drama who's acted her whole life. Her first 10 seconds of her speech were like exhilarating. I was in. Like, She's just, ah, oh, oh. I'm like, I'm not even joking. Her voice notes are like, oh, my boy, it's so nice to see. I see you can't send me voice notes anymore. But her speech was like, I'm in, and it's emotional, and it's deep, and it's from the depths to the heights, all in five minutes, because I gave her a time cap. And um, But I'm listening, I'm going, she's spectacular. I mean, I'm boasting about my sister, but she's spectacular. She has traversed different nations. She married a German, so moved to Germany, learned a different language, has two little German kids. But she's spectacular and she's speaking i'm going she's amazing then my other sister gets up kim is the middle sister somewhat quieter than the other two in some ways but begins to speak and out comes wisdom and authority and the word of god and freedom and life and i consider her life as she left at 18 years old got married been married 29 years i am not old enough to have a sister who's been married for 29 years just saying but got married at 19 to 1890 to a spectacular man Moved almost immediately to Joburg, then to England, then to America. We've never lived in the same city for many decades. Spectacular kids and incredible marriage. I'm going, she's amazing. And then my third sister, who is strong and loud, but in those moments, her way of communicating is song. So she sang a song that she wrote that has been performed by choirs in auditoriums and, 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 and as the launch of sports events, which is a prayer for Africa. And she sang the song and something rose up in me. and says, she's spectacular. She's got two little kids that she's loved. She had them later in years and yet she's given them energy beyond. She loves passionately. And I just took a step back for a moment as I went back to my hometown where everything is familiar. We drive around Durban, and there's the beach and the driving. And Y'all kids, that's where I went to school. And they're like, wow, Dad, it's awesome. And that's where you used to live. Wow, Dad, it's amazing. And the water's warmer here. Wow, Dad, we can swim for hours. They are overwhelmed by Durban. To me, Durban's just my hometown. It, it should be more impressive, and but it's just hometown. You know, it's familiar. I'm saying all of that because... There was a moment in Jesus' journey, and I believe nothing in Jesus' journey is unintentional. There was in a moment where Jesus went home in Mark chapter 6. He see, he'd been ministering all around and based himself out of Capernaum, 25 miles up the road, and he, he'd lived for 30 years in a little town called Nazareth. Yes, he was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up, his homeboys were in Nazareth. If Jesus had homeboys, we don't know. And... Um, he spends 30 years there. He, he grows up as a kid. He plays hide and seek with his mates. He knows all the best places to hide. He knows where the naughty kids used to go and smoke around the corner. He knows where, he, not like Jesus did, where the naughty kids did. He, he, I don't know if he had terrible twos. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But all of that happened in a place called Nazareth. He learned to be a carpenter with his dad, Joseph. But was he his dad? His mates would have questioned. Because Mary told us, but we don't know. Because it's hometown stuff. The rumors flow. And he grows up. But then when he's 30, he leaves. Goes on a journey with God. Gets released into ministry and starts doing miracles. And he is spectacular. And, and he walks back into his hometown having done miracles. Having raised the dead. Having set people free of demons. Having people following him. He's got this posse of followers like his entourage. Like those gangs. He's walking into town with his entourage. Before Facebook was a thing, Jesus had Followers. They were there. Look at them. But he walks into his hometown. I want to read the scripture so you can see what happened. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense with him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. See, the story starts out with them being amazed with him. And Jesus, after all his miracles and his crew is following, he walks into town. And, and they say this, it's, it's got the makings of a spectacular revival meeting. The energy is there. The ev- everyone is excited. They're all amazed. He says, where did he get these things? He's like bringing revelation and setting people free and speaking the truth. And they're going, where does he get this stuff? He grew up here. We don't have this stuff here. But he's got the stuff. And then they said, what's, what's this wisdom he's been given? He's speaking life, and wisdom is coming, and wisdom is flowing. Where did he get that? Because he didn't get it here in Nazareth, because that stuff doesn't flow in Nazareth. What good can come from Nazareth? Nazareth is not a big place. Today, it still exists. It's 98,000 people, about the size of View, bloberg But in that day, it was about 250 to 500 people. Smaller than most schools. Everyone knew everyone. And they make the statement, what are these remarkable miracles he's performing? They've never seen stuff like it. And you can imagine miracles, wisdom, truth. Miracles, wisdom, truth. Jesus' entourage. It's like, you've got to imagine, this is, fires should start lighting. Miracles should start happening, right? But something gets sucked out of the city, out of the room. Something gets sucked out of the place. Because in that moment, something changes. You know that moment when courage leaves? When courage leaves. I remember playing, I was playing rugby in England once, and and we were in this game. It was a big game. And everyone's excited, and the captain's, he he doesn't know what he's saying, but he's just getting red in the face. Like, Everyone's like, yes. It's a great sport. It works every time. Yes. And then just the one guy says, sheep as they are big it's like and when you us, and the gloucester eighth man is six foot five shoulders that are about four foot wide and he's just punched you once that broke your jaw you just didn't know it because you still had your scrum cap on true story tell you that one next time it's like all the energy all the courage all the faith gets sucked out of the team like oh we're gonna get smashed all of a sudden after saying where's this wisdom where's the joy they ask this question isn't this the carpenter Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. I'm not preaching about offense, but offense is taken. That's what the Bible says. And what should have the makings of a hometown hero walking in and everyone... Falling on their knees and healing's happening and deliverance happening and freedom coming. None of that happens because all they choose to see is the carpenter. All they choose to see is the boy who ran around in his diapers. All they choose to see is the 30 years that preceded the breaking in of God in their lives. Yes, there is a story for how we look at people here. I'm not preaching about that. I'm asking, you, how do you see Jesus? Because for 30 years, he did nothing. He sat in their town and that's why they struggled the most. Why? Why? Because when Philip is excited and he's going, have you seen this guy Jesus? And Jesus is calling his disciples. He goes to Nathanael and says, Nathanael has seen Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathanael's honest, honest answer is, can anything good come from Nazareth? He wasn't trying to break down Nazareth. That was just the temperature of Nazareth. That was just the expectation that nothing good comes from Nazareth. How could anything good come from this Jesus? So imagine being a Nazarene. Nothing good comes from us. We're just down here. We're a small little town. We're not going to change the world. And yet, a world changer walks in who's from them, and all they can see is the carpenter. Just someone who works with his hands. Just someone who we can understand because he learned a trade, and anyone can get that trade if they spend enough time with the tradesman. So he's not special. He's just one of us. And then, to make it even worse, they don't just leave it there. They come with an insult. Isn't that Mary's son? Because in Hebrew culture, you don't name someone as someone's son because you're calling them a mommy's boy, and more than that, you're saying they didn't have a dad. They're saying, "Hey, no, we see Jesus, and he's rocking a middle parting, but Joseph had a side parting." We don't believe the story, and then they say, "But but we know his brothers, and they very ordinary." And we know his sisters, and they very average Nazarenes, they haven't changed the world. That's just the carpenter. And just these last six little words, and they took offense at him. At who? The king of kings, the creator of all, the healer, the redeemer, the savior, the friend, the lover, Jesus. They took offense. At someone from their own town. You see, most of his miracles had been done around. He hadn't done any miracles. And he says, actually, see, we know the scripture. And I love it the way King James says this. In John chapter 1, he came unto his own and his own received him not. His own received him not. Even his own town received him not. See, we all want to be received well. We want to be noticed a little bit. Uh, we had an elders meeting in my house the other night, and the guys came around. And Judah knows these are my mates, and I like these guys. So as they arrive, he's downstairs in his pajamas with his report. <laughs> Uncle Wayne, and Wayne's talking. Uncle Wayne, Uncle Wayne, and Wayne. Okay. Oh, good boy. And you just see, and what was 4.1 feet is now 4.2 feet, and then it's Uncle Rion, Uncle Rion. And we're like, yo, that's good, a good Afrikaans boy. And now he's four foot three. Not quite sure on the details, but. And we want to be noticed. Not saying Jesus wants to, we do. And the problem is we struggle when others get noticed. So Ben brings his report, and Judas starts comparing the reports, and they're different. They got different abilities, different strengths. The problem is when you get too close to something, like I maybe got to with my parents, I've just they've always been there. I've never heard the word divorce in my home, ever. Not once. When my dad got liquidated and lost every single cent and table and chair that we had. Two years later I met with him for dinner. It's the first time I saw him cry, and he said, Not once in a joke, in a fight. Ever, has your mom ever blamed me for that loss? Not once. I'm going, that's spectacular. That's not of this earth. That is miraculous. That is a sign and a wonder. And I've taken it for granted. And I've got too close and familiar. And I had to sit down and let everything else stop for me to actually see it. For what it is. See, it's hard to see a miracle in something if you've become familiar with it. It's hard to see. We walk with people. My wife is a miracle. And I'm ashamed to say there are moments and times where maybe, well, I know, you take it for granted. And the things that you used to think were miraculous and the things you used to celebrate, now you celebrate less. Because when you were dating and you pitched up at the house and she's ready and you think, whoa, you look hot, baby. And now you go out, that same process takes a lot longer because you actually see the process, which you didn't see before. There's a process. Not my home, obviously. Theoretically, in some of your homes. Not in my home. But Jesus walks into town. Jesus. And they just say, he's just one of us. He's just raised a little girl to life from death. He's just one of us. See, it's sometimes harder with family and it's harder with those we love. And sometimes, I would say, in church, it gets hard sometimes. Because the grids of prejudice and the grids of smallness and the grids come down and the enemies are master at it. Isn't he just a carpenter? Isn't he just Mary's son? And Jesus said to him, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and his own home. What is the church? The church is his own town. The church are his relatives. The church are his own home. And this story in the Bible is not just about faith rising up. And the fact that Jesus couldn't do miracles and everyone who believes in miracles gets nervous about the story. And it's not about that. It's about the culture, the atmosphere, and the home that creates an environment in which Jesus is honored. It's a reminder to the church to celebrate our hometown hero who changed everything. He's changed everything. He found me. I'm found, I'm found. Why are you celebrating? You found the game is to be lost. No, but I've been found by Jesus. I'm saved. We don't preach about it enough, but saved means I've been pulled out of the fires of hell into the home of heaven. Saved means I have a relation with the Father I could never have. Saved means there's a way that has been made by a Savior who loves me, not because I deserve it, but because of His capacity to love, and He's teaching me to love. And when I forget that, he becomes very familiar. Just another guy coming home. Just another guy. Just one of us. And I want to preach the story not from a faith aspect. Because I don't believe in the story Jesus had lost any power. I just believe they couldn't recognize him and appreciate him for who he was. Sure, this preach can help you with your marriage. It'll help you with your business partners. It'll help you with your friends. Appreciate them see them again but this morning my challenge to us and to me see because when i was 14 years old to get down on my knees and worship jesus for hours when all my mates were running right was easy to me now sometimes i can barely find 10 minutes to take time out because life's busy and i'm a pastor God says, I want you back in that place where I overwhelm you. And when I walk into your town, your heart, or your home, I'm not just someone you knew yesterday. I am Lord and I am Savior. When Mary encounters Jesus as he reveals himself the first time, she shouts out, Rabboni! She says, Rabbi, teacher! She recognizes him. And she's overwhelmed again. I want to call us to be overwhelmed again. The apostle John is pulled after Jesus has left. And he's pulled into a revelation called the book of revelations. He's pulled into a vision of Jesus. And he's had his head on Jesus' chest. That's John. He knew Jesus. He was Jesus' closest friend walking on this earth. And he thought he knew him fully. But then he has a revelation of Jesus. Without the clothes of man, without the brokenness in this body that crumbles of man, he sees the essence of Jesus in the emeralds and rubies and diamonds. And he's overwhelmed and he's so overwhelmed in front of his friend, he falls down as though dead. Why? When last did we take a moment to see Jesus? Lee, can I ask you to come up? If you're here. When last did you take a moment to just see Jesus? I said something to my wife this morning. I'm so tired of Christians making statements about Christians on social media. Our call is to make statements to a broken world with our lives about who Jesus is. I'm not called to give my every energy and time to criticize and pull down and position myself better. That is not my mandate. My mandate is to live a life where people are drawn to Him and only Him. Not the walls of a church, not the brand of a church, not positioning of anything, but Jesus. I want to call us this morning to Jesus. I got familiar with Jesus at times. And so, oh, you can rationalize this. You can justify this. Or you can receive your hometown hero. Because I believe that story could have ended differently and would have ended differently. If they had received the Savior, the King, the glorious one, the miracle worker, the astounding friend. I believe they would have seen miracles. I believe they would have seen everything that Jesus had done and more. I don't believe Jesus had lost an ounce of power. I just believe they couldn't see it. And I believe as we fight, and I want to ask you to lead us maybe in that greater. Just one song. Just three moments. Forget that it's beautiful outside. Some of you are going to work on your tan. Forget that for a moment. Forget that tomorrow is coming and there's targets and deadlines. Forget there's a boss. Forget the stuff. Take a moment to be captivated by Jesus. Can we stand, please?